And another reminder that Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It gives you everything you need in one place, and it's free. You can use it right from your phone or your computer. They have creation tools, so you can record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. And they'll distribute your podcast for free. So you can hear it on Spotify, Apple, Google, and many more. Just like us here at BraveMaker. Make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So download the Anchor app today and go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks to our sponsors. Now back to the show. Stories, scripts, and conversations with creators. This is the Brave Maker Podcast. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the online Brave Maker experience. I am Tony Gapastone. And I'm Christina Jackson. And thank you, everyone, joining us for today's Filmmakers Chat. Yeah, this is our, it's kind of like our official last one of the Digital Film Fest experience. We've been doing this for the past 16 weeks. And uh, what was supposed to be a three-day film festival in May, or in June, as you just saw, um, our recap from last year turned into a shelter-in-place marathon of <laughs> 100 plus days of sharing films and having conversations. So we're really glad that we could be doing this. We have our very special last film um, and filmmaking team to share with you today. But before I do that, let me just say thank you to our sponsor this week, which is the Redwood City Parks and Arts Foundation. And they have been a very generous grantor to us to support this online work that we're doing. In fact, they are hosting a chalk festival for the Independence Day weekend. So if you go to their website, which is rwcpaf.org, you can find out about this amazing thing that they're doing all across uh, Redwood City in the Bay. And you can see pictures of all the great art that people are going to be doing. It's all happening virtual, uh, virtually. So thank you to Redwood City Parks and Arts Foundation for supporting us. We're so happy. Christina, uh, thanks again for being this awesome partner of mine this whole time. It's been great. We're creating a bunch of fun stuff. Christina yeah. is launching a new podcast in the next yeah. month. So be on the lookout for that. But anything you want to say before we launch in to our film today? Uh, I'm very excited to jump into today's film. It's one of my favorite genres. Uh, which is horror, you know, I'm all about the zombie. I won't <laughs> to give anything away. And then I just also want to say everyone who's out there, like we're still in the middle of a pandemic uh, in California. We're seeing some pretty alarming numbers and things are very scary right now. So I just want to say to everyone, you know, continue to shelter in place and stay safe. And to all the protesters, continue to fight for liberty and justice for all. Black Lives Matter. And let's jump into the film. Yes. I love that you love horror and stuff. It's so fun. So let's welcome to the broadcast. Uh, if you're watching live, we have the Cortez family. If you're listening uh, on the replay or on the podcast, we have the Cortez family. We have Sophia, Vincent, Vivian, and Valerie, the V family. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Of, these are our youngest filmmakers on the show. So welcome, you guys. Thank you very much for having us. For sure. So, hey, we'll pull up some photos and your website and stuff, but we're really glad that you let us uh, select The Lost for our last film selection of the Brave Maker Online Digital Film Fest. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about, this was, a, was a, quite a family affair and quite interesting 
being that we're in a pandemic. And I can't wait to talk about some of the themes in the film, but let's just hear a little bit about The Lost and why you wrote and directed this film. Yeah, thank you uh, again, Tony and Christina, for having us. Um, the Lost, you know, it's an apocalyptic, um, you know, drama for us. Um, it's actually something that really came from two key things I think that were happening um, on a social level, national level, um, and personal. Um, my grandfather, on my my paternal grandfather, had 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 passed away um, in the summer of 2018. And while I am with my family, we're sort of coping and dealing with that loss. Um, I started to put together um, a short documentary that was really um, designed to be for my grandmother uh, about my grandfather's life. And so I got to see all these pictures uh, that I had never seen before. You know, he has his immigrant story. He came here. He worked the railroads in West Oakland. He reconnected with his father when he came to this country because his father had been here since he was little. And I'm immersing myself in this in this immigrant story that I've always known and had a connection to. But now there's like this deeper bit of understanding that I'm getting for this opportunity to understand it even more. So on one hand, I'm putting this together. And on the other hand, I'm uh, seeing my newsfeed blowing up with like, oh, leaked audio of a little girl in a detention center crying for her mother, which is like heartbreaking to hear. And so, and you're reading about policies and you're reading about this idea of family separation as a means of deterring immigrants and refugees. And so th these two things is kind of this cocktail um, that, you know, mixed with a visual that I had in my head years ago when I was working on another film. And um, I was just coming up with ideas and thinking about things. And like, I had this image in my head of like an infected, you know, zombified parent, a loved one, and then their child who's not infected. And that image just like stuck with me for, I would say a good, you know, was that 2012. So I, I'd say around that time, it had been a good six years of this image just kind of lingering in the back of my head. And this moment, um, which you're actually seeing on screen, just this encounter playing out in the back of my head and sort of looping and just every so often it would come to the forefront. Then all of a sudden, given the circumstance of losing my grandfather and hearing about this family separation, it's just like that image and all these things just merged. And um, my wife and I talked, you know, Sophia, we, we, we talked through the story and this idea and I started reaching out to people when it was just like an outline. And, and then we approached our daughters who had been in, uh, some of our other short films and we talked to them about this story and I, I asked them if they would be interested in, in being these characters yeah. and so we read through it and uh, with them and then it just kind of from there it was like all the all the bits and pieces fell into place and you know right into the new year of 2019 we, we started filming we have a very we're very fortunate that we have um, you know very close friends and people we would consider our film family that we're always working with and we have been for the past eight years. And so once we reached out, you know, and they read the the script or we pitched them the idea, everybody was on board that we needed and it was just a matter of lining everything up. So once, uh, once that moved, we, you know, we were just, we were excited, not knowing that we would be 
a year later in the middle of a global pandemic um, and, and sort of facing, you know, issues of isolation, um, you know, amongst various bits and pieces of society in our communities. But um, I think that's, that's the origin story. It's not necessarily in a nutshell, but that's, that's really was, it was influenced by personal loss and social injustices that we were seeing and feeling and hearing anything. Well, I, well I love, I love, we'll get to, you'll all get to share, but I really, I really loved the element of seeing a Latinx family in a dystopian, you know, zombie film that was rooted in this idea of uh, immigrants and the family separation challenges that we're seeing in our country. I love that it made me think, you know, through this genre, it made me think about justice and the injustices that many family and children are, you know, being impacted by. So I thought that was a really well done. And I'm sure I know I, we talked earlier at the beginning of the pandemic that it also posed a challenge, right? As you were doing your film festival circuit for maybe the stories that people uh, didn't want to see. So how did you navigate that? I'd love to hear just how that has affected you in regards to the content of the story. Yeah, I think it's, um, I, I think it has been, it has been challenging because of the realities I think that we're facing, but I, I feel like what we attempted to do with, with the lost is to really just tell a story that's about family. Like there was definitely this fear that we had about, we just finished this movie. We, we believe very strongly in it. We feel like it has a message that needs to get out there. And really we were looking at, um, you know, when we had, when we had potentially, uh, we're going to be launching the film in March. Um, we were looking at going to communities, um, that are heavily Latino communities that have a lot of um, uh, immigrant populations. And we were honored and excited as we are to be able to share with you and Brave Maker. We were just really excited that we were gonna be able to get the film in front of audiences that we felt it will resonate with. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, but, but we had to change that, you know, we really, and we personally love that physical, like being in a space with people and talking about themes and talking about ideas and what we were attempting yeah. to do. So um, I, I would say that having that shift and this change in sort of quarantining or sheltering in place, it, it certainly it certainly affected us from, from being able to do that. However, with these tools that are in front of us and we're interacting now, it doesn't mean that we can't have the conversation. So I think that while there was an initial fear that we weren't going to be able to even roll the film out and have these kinds of conversations, um, it was quickly overcome by, okay, there's different ways of doing things. Um, And we definitely wanted to get this film out leading up to this election, to this November. We just, you know, we tried not to be heavy handed with this film in any particular way, but there's definitely critiques of systems and policies and procedures and that type of thing. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, just not being able to be in person doesn't mean that we can't still have the conversation, especially if we're being honest and and genuine in the way we try to approach these things. Yeah. I would love to, let's bring the children into the conversation. I know that your daughter's played a huge role and inspiring the story. Can we have them introduce themselves and tell us what was it like having dad pitch you this zombie movie? You wanna, you wanna start and then your sister can tell? Well, 
yeah, just what was it like? Um, what was it like having the idea of the story presented and then working in the film? Yeah, my dad, he showed us like clips of like the detention center and the children. And I felt really bad because that's something that no child should have to go through. Right. So I said yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what about you, Vivian? What was that? What about you, Vivian? Yes. What, what was it? What, what, or how about if you want to say, what was it like to work on the movie? It was interesting. It was interesting? Why was it interesting? Because it's a zombie movie. <laughs> What was, but what was it like to work as a as a family to have us fun. together telling the story? It was fun. Uh, anything else? No, no nothing. Okay. Vivian, no. <laughs> tell us how old are you? I'm uh, seven years old. Vivian is seven years old, and if you haven't seen The Lost yet, she has done a, a phenomenal job. And, and you, you, I know you didn't want to be heavy-handed, as you said, bringing this film. Uh, to viewers, but dig into the message. What was the message that you wanted viewers to take away from seeing The Lost? I, I think the big message is the idea that um, in any kind of crisis, um, no matter how big or small, but if it's if it's if there's a life or death, or if the threats are 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 present, um, I just feel like we find strength in our family, no matter what that might look like. Right. So, you know, the first shot of the movie is the little sister by herself alone. The final shot of the movie is technically a shot of the whole family. It's a shot of the two sisters. It's a shot of what's become of the father. And it's a shot of the grave of the, of the, the, the uh, mother. So they're all, all four members of the family are sort of represented and I think in many ways, it's it's kind of this spiritual idea that if that no matter what has happened, that you're fa you're still connected to your roots, you're still connected to your family. And so this idea that someone would be coming into that space and and sort of breaking them apart, taking them away from each other, destroying in many ways the only thing they have left of their family. I thought that was kind of the bigger kind of the bigger thematic element is the fact that these these children were were sustaining and sort of finding their place with their family and even if that was difficult because they were together um it was possible that there was hope and so when that is threatened when that is challenged um i think that's when uh this idea that their family, the the spiritual strength that their family provided them, and any kind of sanity, even if it's even if it's again turmoil, that once you rupture that, it, there's so much more damage that can come. Sure. Um, I but yeah, I think but we when I say heavy handed, I guess the thing is that we were trying not to be over, kind of overly heavy on the idea of like this agent comes in and. He's going to be really specific with his dialogue and with his language about them being refugees or something like that. Like we didn't want to have to go necessarily there. It's just the idea that even representatives or agents of um, the systems, when they're just doing their job, sometimes it's this idea that even if they're doing something that they're, they're supposed to do, 
they could still be harming people. Yeah. And, and even in the sense of, um, you know, we made the film and in the process of coming up with the choreography, the, the older, uh, the big sister, the big sister character was always supposed to be in a predicament where this agent is, is, is detaining her, doing something to her, but it starts to jeopardize her life. So there literally is, he's kneeling on her neck while he's cuffing her and she's sort of gasping for air. And when we, when we first started to show this film virtually and have, again, these conversations, one of the things that was, was just had just happened was George Floyd and his murder. And so that suddenly just added like a whole nother sense of what we were trying to do in the story where you just get the idea that again it's a person doing their job but they're overlooking the damage that they could be doing not just to the family unit not just to the individual but sort of collectively doing um we also tried to make the agent not necessarily just a blatant you know villain who's easy to hate i've actually had people watch the film and say oh like I felt kind of bad because the agent guy, he was just doing his job. Like he didn't, you know, he, he wasn't really, I didn't, I didn't feel he was really trying to hurt these characters or do anything negative. But then I've had other people that were like, Oh, I was so, it felt so great when that agent got what was coming to him because it felt like this. And I personally, I like that in my stories. I like, I like keeping things dimensional to the, to the point where you bring your own experiences to the, to the film and you might fill in the, you might fill in the blank and it shapes your perspective of a character. Um, but we try to play it somewhat neutral, I would say. Like, I mean, he is an antagonistic force, but he's not just supposed to be this evil guy, agent guy who comes in, you know, and destroys everything. That's what he's doing, but he's yeah. doing it in a way where, you know, he's not, he's not necessarily intending to, he's not realizing the harm that he's causing. He's right. not a two-dimensional oh. character. There's some complexity there, like in real life. Right. Which, yeah, in real life, there always is that kind of complexity, right? Because people people think that they're they're representing an agency or they're doing something and they think that, well, I'm I'm doing my job, I'm trying to protect these other people, or I'm trying to keep the rule of law or whatever it might be. Um, but you might not see what in the periphery what you might be destroying. Yeah, or trauma you're creating. Or the trauma, especially that was a big thing for for this film, is the trauma that's sort of created. Um, when people are already dealing with their traumas, you create more. You do you approach it in a in a way that actually creates more. I wanted to comment just on the the picture of the agent with the knee on your daughter. Your daughter. I mean, this is your daughter. Uh, what a really challenging scene to depict. I mean, it was so much more relevant right after the whole country was in shock about the murder of George Floyd. So I just feel like in, in a way, this is like super convicting, you know, to watch and to see a child gasping for breath. You feel like that voyeur, you feel like the people who are holding up their phones and watching injustice and what do you do and how do you handle it? So I felt like that was so well done and uncomfortable. So thank you for that. Thank you for making it happen you know, in, in a zombie movie, and we have people who are commenting about uh, how great your daughter is, so Vivian Valerie, how uh, your acting was so phenomenal. 
uh, people thinking you're cute, but uh, really, really uh, well done. And I know it must be a challenge to work together as a family. It's a, it's a challenge being a family in shelter in place. But when you're working in such uh, high stakes, I wonder maybe, Sophia, you can talk about as producer, how do you manage uh, producing a film where your husband is the writer and director and your kids are starring in it when it has <laughs> such a, a heavy thematic um, issue at stake? I'd love to hear you talk about that. Um, yeah, thank you. I appreciate the question. For me, I feel like it's very important to think of the macro and the micro when we approach every project and talk, speaking with them, having that dialogue, this is, you know, what we're thinking. How do you feel about it? What do you think? Taking their feedback. It's, it's facilitating, it's advocating. Um, it's a lot of planning. <laughs> it's, it's funny moments. It's, challenging moments but it's always being resourceful always being flexible always being supportive of what do you need and listening and what can I provide and how can we make this better collectively you know um yeah and being very organized and focusing on your continuity and you know scheduling and working with your team and making sure everyone's on the same page and you know valuing them and respecting them and you know treating them like family because they are family <laughs> literally and then, you know, extended family too like our <laughs> friends that we've worked with for many years and on different projects so. yeah I, I think it's 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 nice because um as you stated i mean we typically try to um to conduct our film shoots like a like a we're a family when we eat we eat together when we share our meals together um, we sh we have a meal before for people that want to get there early. We have our lunch, and then we get we feed people. So it's fun. It's funny because Dinner and most of the time you finish your shoot and you go. And then with us, um, and it's something we've tried to build. But it's like when we wrap, everybody was like, "Oh, we 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 put we broke down the gear," and then it was like, "Let's have a meal. Like let's talk." And so I think we're lucky that our 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 team. That that's technically not blood, but our film family. They're 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 people that we trust. And then obviously working with our daughters and Sophia and I have done plenty of narrative films and documentary films together. So I think for us, we have our working relationship. She keeps me in check and sort of balanced about what's realistic and you know has to sort of manage the manage the the train and keep everything moving. But then when we're working with our daughters, it's this kind of extra thing of like, especially for me, like I feel like having the opportunity to direct them, especially on this film and how, how intense and challenging things were with this kind of material. I feel like it, it sort of made, it like kind of knocked me in the head. And when we wrapped up, I said, you know what? Like when you think of your role as their father, you should be, you should be sort of figuring out how to guide them through life in the way you try to help and encourage and direct them. And so on a set. So I thought that that was a very interesting thing that kind of came from this experience was like realizing that I could use the things I would try to do on a set where you, I need something to get done, but I'm also not trying to push so hard that I'm going to break anyone in any shape or form. So it's this idea that like, I try to take that approach. And then after making this film, it's like, okay, plug it into life. When they're having trouble in school or there's some kind of difficulties, like, 
you got to come at them in a way where you're helping to kind of get them somewhere. You're helping them to kind of accomplish something or to overcome some sort of obstacle, big or small, but you're doing it in a way where you're valuing their voice. Like they both had a lot of input on their characters. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was always wanting to hear their thoughts on it. There's a lot of things that Valerie, you and Vivian, you, you both brought to your characters that was either hidden in the page or was not even there, but then you, you sort of breathe that life into it and you brought something from your own self into the roles. You know, you, when you held up the little monkey and like, there's little, like when you first encountered the dad in the story, there's just little things that they, they told me that they felt that they should do that. I was like, okay, like, let's plug this in somehow. Let's integrate this. Sounds like acting is fun. Play around, imagination. I love it. Oh, yeah, yeah, most definitely, most definitely. And like Sophia said, I think respect is the most important thing. Respect for what everyone's contributing. Exactly. In a very authentic way, you know, because sometimes people on their day-to-day will be like, oh, thank you, thank you. But genuinely, being very um, genuine about, about <laughs> that stuff. Yeah. No, I always try. That's the funny thing. Like, I, when we're filming, it's like, we'll be setting up a light and somebody, you know, hands me something and I'm, thank you, this, you know, just genuinely being appreciative. Because the other thing with this film is that we actually, we didn't have, we had a pretty small budget. It was probably one of the bigger budget short films that we've done, but I would say that it was still a shoestring budget. And the people we had working were basically were volunteering their time. Um, And so, you know, feeding them, a breakfast, lunch, and a dinner was the least we could do. Treating them with respect and and love and appreciation was that other thing. But I also feel that people really had conviction in what we were yeah. trying to do. And, then, and helping them, helping them on their work and their personal right. passion projects. Like that, sure. I love doing that too, helping other folks work on their projects. We've, it's really awesome. Yeah. We've definitely traded a lot of time, energy, and talent with, with yeah. people that, that we work with a lot. So. And food, food is a good payment. Christina and I are available <laughs> for some good Cortez family food. If that's- yeah, very hearty meals. And yeah. my mother, my mother catered and, uh, you know, so she made these family, you know, home cooked, big, you know, delicious meals with lots of options for lots of people. And my father did production design work um, oh, wow. in terms of building the sets. And so um, there were some images that you guys were showing a moment ago where they're coming down the stairs and into this kind of dungeonous sort of basement space. Like my father built the staircase and like we created these sort of additions to the set and the door, that main door that leaves the house in the story was like my brother painted that door um, with the locks on it, you know, that that kind of keeps them safe in the house. Um, my father kind of modified this place uh, to, to put it there. Um, everything in the film was actually shot within a two block radius of itself. So the, the, the interior of this kind of basement place where the father's at, um, and he sort of kept, if you will, um, is sort of right up the street, literally from where we are right now. So my aunt, the Estrada family, thank you. They allowed us to kind of take over their basement and, and build these extensions of this set and the staircase. And, uh, you know, just go down the street and then there's an upper sort of the upper part of this house, this upstairs that my uncle's been working on this house for a long time. So that's where the, the beams and the skeletal structure of the of this house, the upstairs of the house is. And then the yard is right next door to that house. 
So like everything was here and it was all because my family was, again, we're blessed that my family was like, okay, you guys want to film here? Like, okay, let's see how we can make this work. So, so I think that's a big part of the energy of this um, film is that it's, it's, it's a reality because of the blessing of family and the themes of the story are about family. So I think all this kind of, you know, energy sort of kind of feeds into something. And I say you can definitely feel that energy watching this film. You can feel the love and the respect. And that is a theme that I am really, really championing right now is that, you know, love wins. And I know a lot of people hear that and it sounds like some frou-frou thing. Like, what does that really mean? You really captured that in the scene where Valerie's character comes face to face with her dad. And that was a moment where I you know, that kind of took my breath away. Like, oh, what's going to happen? You know, what's going to happen here? And she holds up the mirror and I don't want to, am I giving away spoilers? Can I do that? Um, <laughs> be like, it's Too late. I already spoiled. It's great. <laughs> People should have watched it already. MitchellStreetPictures.com. One more day to watch it. <laughs> oh, one more day? Okay. So at that moment, it was like, oh, that's right. Like I, in that moment, it seemed very clear that love was conquering all the challenges that they had been facing in that moment. And it was so profound. Uh, Valerie, can you talk about shooting that scene? What was that like? Yeah, oh my God. (laughs) Can you talk about that scene from your perspective? Yeah, Yeah, um, I was very worried about it because my dad, he didn't pressure me at all. He was like, you can cry if you want to, if whatever feels natural. And I was like, I want to cry. I want to make this scene as powerful as possible and so I dad I think he talked to me and I really had to put myself in the character situation and think about what was happening in the world and all the unfair and unjust things Mm -hmm. and I really had to put my mindset into there and I ended up crying which was good (laughs) (laughs) yeah it, it was interesting because we we did keep it. We talked about it, and then and then I remember Valerie saying like, "Am I supposed to cry right here?" Like, because what I said in the script is that she breaks down, and 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 I left it very open, and I and I talked to her about it. And when she says like, "We talked before," what she's saying about like the weight of everything in the world and the situation, I think one of the biggest factors was the one thing I the one thing I said that I felt could could assist her in kind of getting there was just the idea that if he's coming at you and you've seen the monster side of him, but you've caught glimpses like you do at the beginning, that there is something, there may be something still in there, this sort of hope, you know, some salvation, that there's something that could change him or turn him back, so to speak, or to get him to stop that sort of aggressive kind of animalistic side, um, that you've seen that. But all of a sudden, it's like, this is coming. This could be your end. And now what's going to happen? Because your sister may be the only one left. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that kind of cocktail for her and the fact that I, I again, I tried not to be like, Valerie, you need to just, you know, I need to see tears and I need yeah, this yeah. and I need that. It was like, no, 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 no. Whatever is a genuine reaction, mm-hmm. giving, putting these things in your head and allowing you to just naturally react to that. And for me, it was like super powerful because... I'm right behind uh, Jesse Dana as our cinematographer and he operated, you know, his own camera on this. And like, you know, that was a thing like being there in the moment, being there in the moment with the people you love and trust and respect and, and believe in 
and kind of and kind of seeing it like leap from that page, as I think all filmmakers do. Um, it's it's taxing, but it's also it invigorates you like it, it kind of fuels you. And so I will say this. Um, we we shot the film um, where everything in the basement was shot in basically one day. And so there was this initial um, direction that we were going to go with some of the visuals that were going to be filmed later that were going to be more bloody and, and more kind of graphic in some ways or hinting at the graphic kind of more violent, I guess I should say. Um, and because we shot that scene before those, it made me realize that, and it was something I wanted to do, but it made me realize like the strength of this story is going to come from that and everything we can build that leads up to the, the, the children and their parents. Mm -hmm. That's the heart of this story. And I remember uh, um, uh, was a Margaret had made all this blood and like I had her make all this blood and like we were shooting the scene and, and we shot and Val we called cut because Valerie did that all in one take basically. Yeah. Wow. And it was like, I felt we had what we needed and I, and I was like, okay, and now we're going to flip it and we're going to get the father interacting with the soldier and, you know, it was scripted to be more bloody and, I just, I just was like, forget the blood. Like, don't, don't throw that blood. Let's just let it be. I do love films that allow the kind of this, sometimes the violence or, or certain, certain things that happen to just happen off screen or out of view so that the viewer can fill it in. But this cemented that idea for us that like, okay, the strength and the heart of this movie is this emotional kind of pushing and pulling that occurs and whatever climactically could happen from that. And so, you know, the things that we shot the following day where you see the memory of the, the parents struggling in her flashback to not let these infected people in, like that was gonna be more kind of graphic. And it just made sense that like, we're telling a story that we feel like we want to empower young people. Mm -hmm. And especially if we can get the film in front of, uh, of, in front of young immigrants or young, you know, young Latinos, that like, this is a story about familia. This is a story about uh, resilience. And so it made more sense to just, you know what, get the graphic stuff out or don't even go that direction because the film can be more approachable if you don't have that explicitly in there in that way. And that's kind of what the flexibility I was saying was about being flexible and, and seeing the bigger picture. And even Valerie being able and Vivian being able to take that character and create through their own like authentic experiences, bring that into the moment and really letting it play out the way they feel it needs to happen, set the whole tone for everything, you know? And that was really powerful, I feel, you know, more than blood and guts and gore. It was that emotional yeah. connection, that yeah. humane, you know, everyone can connect to that. Yeah. And it's very powerful. It was, it was so incredibly powerful. And if you're a zombie movie fan, you've seen <laughs> that scenario play out in many other films, except it does not normally go that route. You don't see love or recognition or something more powerful overcome them. They're usually succumb to whatever the condition is and it, just doesn't go that way so it was really powerful and refreshing to see that 
Yeah, well, we want to give you huge kudos for the film. Uh, as I as we wrap up, I want to just kind of reframe some of the things I heard you saying that filmmaking, because some of our audience are filmmakers, film, filmmaking is a flexible process and it's collaborative and it's really building a family and learning to listen and learning to take what's on the script. You know, we all know that from the idea to the screenwriting, to the production and directing, to the editing, things change multiple yeah, ways. Absolutely. And so I love that. So if you're watching or listening on the podcast as a filmmaker, come to expect that. Actually be excited about that. That's the beautiful thing I love yeah. about filmmaking is getting creative and learning to problem solve on the spot. Like, okay, you know, we don't have the time to shoot this last scene or we didn't have the prop that we wanted or the, the effects don't look as great. By the way, your effects, the makeup was phenomenal. Uh, I love the zombie makeup. I love the way that the veins um, yeah. look so like awesome and real. It was really, really cool. So kudos to your makeup artist on that. That's not um, Margaret uh, Kerrigan and Pandora effects. Yeah, she definitely yeah. was awesome to work with. A local, mm -hmm. uh, incredible woman um, and an amazing effects artist as well. So just, I think that was a thing, having that team, um, you know, designing designing things. For us, we did a lot of conceptual art and we oh, shared yeah. these ideas and sent them back and forth. Yeah. And yeah, for us, like the with the veins, it was this idea that it almost feels like the zombie virus is almost like a venom that's inside of them. And like, that's just right. kind of figuring out the way that the aesthetics would kind of play into the, the vibe, the overall vibe. Yeah. Planning yeah. on planning as much as you can out and anticipating that things will change, but yep. just so you don't waste people's time. Like, this is what I'm thinking. What, how do you feel about this? You know, with whatever technician you're working with on what, yep specific area of the project yeah. you know it's very uh, respectful to their time and their energy they're putting into it if you put all of your effort into it in in you know prepping prepping is huge so again to our filmmaker audience all the time necessary to prep that script make good use of your time find location shoot where you can utilize your your real family and your your friend family um, because Filmmaking is expensive, right? Getting people's time is expensive. Even feeding people can be expensive. But if that's where you put the money, then great. So we are always about that at Brave Maker is what do you have to do to get your project made? Stop waiting for someone else to give you permission and go out there and get it. Uh, I know we're wrapping our time up. Um, so I'm going to encourage in our remaining minutes, uh, I'd love to have you tell us what is next for the Cortez family. And I'm going to, if you're just tuning in, and watching it, you found us on Facebook Live or YouTube. MitchellStreetPictures.com is their website. And they have given us the privilege, the honor of watching this film for a week. So I don't know how much longer it's going to be up there. So it's July 3rd at this point. Get on there. Watch it. Independence Day weekend. It's only 15 minutes. Uh, watch it. I'll pull in some, some comments. People, maybe you can go back later and answer these. Uh, there's some comments we won't be able to get to. But I see all of you all. Robertino who is one of our programmers, says, congrats, congrats, Vincent, cast and crew. Very surreal. Great to see diverse creative family support and not and not waiting to get approval to tell your story. High five to Brian Bueno. <laughs> Brian. Uh, we've got someone saying, amazing. Uh, wow, Valerie, good work from Jules. 
She also says it was suspenseful. No added blood was necessary. I was on the edge of my seat. Love the family. The Cortez family <laughs> filmmakers. The Cortez family needs a huge budget for the next film. Uh, and for our remaining minute, tell us what's next for you in our last minute here. Yeah, I mean, we just recently finished a short sort of yeah. five-minute film called Apart. That's also on MitchellStreetPictures.com. You can check it out. That is something that we made while sheltering in place. So about a month and some change into the quarantine, the four of us just made a movie as our own team and our own crew. And, and that one, Vivian plays the, the, the key character. So she's really excited about it. And it was a great chance for us to just work together. And, and what was neat was that it was, it was sort of cathartic in a way to deal with the kind of, kind of the isolation because that's what the story is about. It's exactly. basically like two friends separated by this window and the walls and these barriers in the midst of what feels like some sort of a quarantine uh, kind of a scenario. Um, and so that's something there. Um, we turn that idea, we kind of outline that as a possible bigger film, um, Sophia and I, and, and, and running it by the girls, knowing yeah. that, Hey, if we could make this, would you guys, would you guys want to be these characters? And so that's a possibility We're we're still working on that. And then, uh, we're also developing uh, an episodic uh, project that's um, kind of a supernatural urban drama. And so um, we're kind of going into a space where we would love to bring a lot of this sort of the spiritual supernatural themes that we also really enjoy and kind of mixing that with issues of social justice. So we kind of have this thing we've been cooking up for a couple of years now, but recently it's actually taken on um a lot more life and we've been doing a lot more work to outline it and write a pilot and everything like that so those are the the two possible things that we're kind of exploring right now and then and then really just trying to enjoy enjoy the time that we have now you know work i'm sure has shifted for most people and like uh and school for your children or for the youngsters in your in your family or your community and so you know, we're just trying to make sure that we're spending that quality time in the middle of juggling the other responsibilities. And so, um, yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time. Again, if you're just tuning in, MitchellStreetPictures.com, the Cortez family are out of Oakland, California. We're really honored to have you a part of the Brave Maker community now. Keep in touch and let us know what's going on next for you. We'd love to see and share your work and girls you were fantastic acting oh, careers on point thanks for your time today christina where can people find you on the interwebs yes you can find me at christinajackson.com and you can follow me on instagram at christina ray jackson fantastic don't forget, if you want more uh, free films and access to great stories like this, go to our website, bravemaker.com slash buzz. We are putting out free films uh, every week. Uh, as we go into July, we are going to be uh, shooting a couple of uh, projects. We have a short film and a music video we're going to work on. So July, we will still be having some live chats like this. Uh, so stay tuned to all of our social media. Make sure you follow us at Brave Maker Film Fest. You can go to our website at bravemaker.com. And as always, our 
Our work is a nonprofit. We are a 501c3 nonprofit. So any of your support is tax deductible, helps us continue to support and elevate these brave stories and also create original content. So thanks for following along. Uh, love to all of you all as you are sheltering in place. And as Christina and I depart, we always like to say brave stories change the world. And you're the story. That's right. Till next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Brave Maker podcast. Subscribe, give us a rating and share with a friend. Brave Maker is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Our work is funded by generous patrons like you. Support the podcast with a tax deductible donation at bravemaker.com. Brave stories change the world. You are the story.